So I want to just read some scripture this morning and in line with what I encouraged us earlier to picture and to be visual. And Jesus looks at uh, the enemy and says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out the mouth of God. And this scripture we're reading this morning is the living, breathing, governmental word of God. Creation itself is established through the words of, words of God. So I want to ask you, don't treat it lightly. Picture it as a big, beautiful meal in front of you, as a bite of bread, a bite of life, a bite of whatever it might be. If you need to picture a big, juicy hamburger, a steak, a chocolate cake, whatever it is that gets your appetite going, that is what the Word of God is going to be to you this morning. Is that cool? We're just going to sit under the Word. Acts 2.42 says this, and we know this well. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that's the journey we're going to go on a little bit this morning. We've devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We've devoted ourselves very well to fellowship. The meetings are starting later and later each morning because our fellowship muscles are really being exercised in the coffee corner. Um, but this morning we're going to read some scripture and break some bread together and then pray together. Is that cool? So I want to read Acts 1.14. It says this. It says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they all joined, and the woman were there too. <laughs> it's not sexist, I promise you guys. Ali's wobbling. Um, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, with the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And What's so important about this scripture is this is a picture of when Pentecost broke out. This is what they were doing. They were gathered together praying. And this is what we're wanting to do in church. We don't want to come here and go, okay, these are the four songs we're doing. I couldn't imagine Peter and John doing that. Okay, Peter, who's doing the announcements? You know, who, actually, I forgot the stewardship we have to get to. Remind me, please. I want someone. But who's, who's sending the boxes around? Who's doing all these things? They would get into a room together and be of one heart and one mind, consumed by one thing, the person of Jesus. And that is what we're endeavoring to do, is not rely on systems and structures, but to lean into the man, that we can lean upon his bosom and become one more and more with him. So as we follow the wind and go on this journey, let us continually say, this is the picture. They just got together in a room and, and seek God. That's it. They got together in a room and seek God together. And things moved from there. Luke 11 verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him knocks. The door will be opened. And that's, is so much about what prayer is about. Coming to our Father, asking, simply, who are you? Who am I? What are your plans and purposes for my life? And as we ask, He answers. And as we seek, we find. And as we knock, the doors are opened. And I want to read some scripture around asking, seeking, and knocking this morning. Just about 10, 11 scriptures and we'll be getting through it. But I want to ask you, as we read it this morning, realize these are the words of God that shall not return to him void, but shall go forth and accomplish the things for which he sent him. The next scripture says, under ask, it says in Mark, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. I just feel in my spirit, I don't want to rush through these things. The confidence we have when we approach Him is that anything we ask according to His will, He hears us. Confidence is that he hears us. Next scripture, please. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And you begin to see that the prayer conversation is about believing and receiving, coming in confidence 
being heard. And it's this beautiful, beautiful interaction between us and God. And I would say the two greatest gifts that God gave us was His Son, Jesus, that bled and died on a cross so that we could be restored and redeemed and reconciled with God. And the second best gift He gave us was the ability to commune with Him. The ability to talk with the Creator of the universe. Doesn't, if you actually look at the, at the Word of God, particularly in the New Testament, it touches on worship, but it, it washes itself in prayer. And sometimes it's easier for us to come and sing songs and do dances, and it's lovely, but they were gathered in prayer and prayer and prayer because as we pray, as we talk with God, I become more in Him and He becomes more in me and my heart is changed into His heart. And slowly but surely, the more we commune, the more we come into union. And that's what ultimately prayer is about. It's communing with God in order to come into union with God. The next scripture, please. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and petition, let your requests, let your prayers, let your needs be known to God. And it says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And we often think that the anxiety and the stress, I need my situation to change. No, you don't need your situation to change. You need your perspective to change. You need to bring it to Him and go, I'm not going to be anxious and stressful. I'm going to come and bring my prayers and petitions to God. I have lived in this scripture. Whenever anxiety comes and I'm faced with something I can't change, what I can change is my perspective and posture before God. And I want to encourage all of us, if there's anxiety in your family, in your finances, and what the future holds, and bring these things with, to God and go, here are my petitions, here are my needs, here are my prayers. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring His peace into your heart and mind that surpasses understanding. It surpasses logic. It defies what your eyes see. Next scripture, please. This is Jeremiah. It's one of the most beautiful scriptures. The Jeremiah 29, 11, it, Jeremiah speaks about and says, For I know the plans you have for me. Plans to give me a hope and a future. Plans to prosper me. And then it goes into this scripture. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. It's so beautiful. You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart, with all of your heart. And sometimes you wonder, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why can't I sense you? Why can't I feel you? God is at times just holding back slightly because he wants all of you and not a part of you. And he knows if he answers immediately, he will only be answering to that part. And only that part will be engaged. But if God resists that and holds back and says, there's more for you, there's more for you. And as we begin to give him all of our heart, we find him and he comes. And it's this beautiful journey, like we were all young, young children once, when you're learning to swim, you stand on the first step, and that's great, and it's amazing, and the next step is this crazy, big risk decision, and the third step, and slowly but surely, your parents take you by the hand and lead you in deeper and deeper, so that you can enjoy it, so that you can live in the fullness, so that you can have the full experience. And God is like that, even in our prayers. He takes us by the hand and pulls us deeper and deeper. Because if He answers every prayer while you're sitting there, you'll never leave. So sometimes He hides, and sometimes He withdraws, and sometimes He pulls away, not because He wants less of you, but because He wants all of you. So if some of your prayers aren't being answered, it's, you feel at times God is disconnected sometimes. He's just going, come deeper. There's more. Come off the first step. Come off the second step. And it's scary. But when you get to the deep end, that's where the fullness of life is. The next scripture, please. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth. I love that. Next scripture, please. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you, 
great and unsearchable things you did not know. The ESV says, call to me and I will show you hidden things. God hides things so that we will search them out. God hides things so that those who truly want it, who truly desire it, will come after it. And then he reveals his hidden beautiful things to us in the most beautiful way. And I want to encourage you, go after the hidden hidden parts of God. Go after the mysteries of Christ. Go deeper and find those hidden places and you'll know God in ways you can never know in the comfortable. Next scripture, please. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. And what, what I love about this is we, the, the idea of always, the idea of persistence, the idea of keep doing it. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep going. Don't just let, let a moment come and you lose energy, you, loo- you lose endurance. Keep on going. God is building up resilience in you. God is building up strength in you. God is building up maturity in you. If he answered every prayer the first time you prayed, you wouldn't have that resilience when times are tough. And that's how it works. Sometimes he wants you to walk a little bit further, a little bit harder, go a little bit deeper so that he can make you resilient. He can mature you and bring you into a place of endurance and perseverance. Does that make sense? That's how we grow. That's how we mature. By coming into opposition, by finding resistance. And often we go, oh, it's the devil. I can't sense God. I can't feel God. I don't see God. We, we blame the devil. The devil's going, I've got nothing to do with this. This isn't me. It's God, because only in opposition and resistance do we mature and grow. The next scripture, please. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. So often our prayer life is, I need, I need, I need, and God is more than happy to be the provider. Sometimes we think, God, I need finances, I need this, how are you going to do that? And the scripture says that he sent the most valuable treasure in existence in the form of Jesus, his son, down to earth. Why would he withhold any other good thing? Why would he withhold rams and cents? Why would he withhold the simple, invaluable, unvaluable things of this this earth? But he sent the greatest treasure down to us. But for us, the key is to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful in our lives. It's such a key part, being watchful for where the enemy is opening doors or where we are opening doors. Being watchful, but at the same time, I think something the church lacks the most in our current time and day is thankfulness and gratitude. We're constantly looking at what we don't have and what we want and what we need. I think gratitude is one of the weakest muscles. I think when we begin to look at our eyes through the lens of Jesus and see what he has done, is doing, and still is going to do, I think gratitude and thankfulness is the thing that ignites this passion within us where it doesn't matter what I'm looking at, it doesn't matter what I'm seeing, I know my God, I know his plans, I know his promises, I know what he's done. If I look behind me, I see his faithfulness. If I look in front of me, I see his faithfulness. And I would like for us as a congregation to become the most grateful group of people on earth. If God never did another thing for you, he's done enough already. If he never did another thing for you, he's done enough already that should result in us going, oh, here I am. Here I am. There is no, I said this last week, there's no brokenness you are in that Christ didn't endure on the cross. There's no hopelessness you you are in that Christ didn't have on the cross. If God never did another thing for you and your family, he's already done enough for us to live the entirety of our lives with gratitude flowing out of us like a mighty river. Be grateful. Gratitude is the, the most incredible antidote to depression. Gratitude is the most incredible antidote to self-pity, to offense. When I'm just so overwhelmed with the, the gratitude for the good things God has done in my life, I don't get offended that easily. I don't get upset. I don't do this. I'm going from glory to glory and from strength to strength because my eyes are on His goodness, not my lack. Next scripture, please. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Faithful in prayer. This is so, so good. Joyful in hope. 
patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope. Hope is something that you don't have. It's something that's still to come. So God's not saying be joyful only because of what you have now. But look to your future and see the plans and the purposes and the promises he has for you. Look to your future and see a future so radiant and bright that if you stare at it long enough, you have nothing but joy flowing out of you because he is faithful. He's gone before you and prepared the way. And it says patient in affliction. How crazy is that? Think about it, patient in affliction. It's like probably the worst advice. The, the advice we want is get out of affliction, have faith to move through it, go past it. He says, wait. When there's affliction, stay in that place. When it's tough, stay there. When it's difficult, stay there. When you're uncomfortable, when you hurt, stay there. Because when you're in the fire, the refiner is doing something in your life that all the blessings of earth cannot achieve. When you're in that place of fire and he's burning away all the chaff, he's burning away everything that's not of you, all the impurities, leaving you just pure gold. He's saying, be patient because it's in that fire that he's preparing you. It's in that fire that he's purifying you. It's in that fire that he's making you into who he's created and called you to be. So don't rush through affliction. Don't rush through tough times. Don't go, God, give me breakthrough. Maybe the breakthrough for you is him breaking you and bringing you to this place of just humility and lowliness and simplicity of life. Patient in affliction. It's one of those terrible sentences in the Bible. The other one that gets me is love trusts. And it just full stop. It's not like love trusts but, no. Patient in affliction. Think about that. Patient there when things aren't going your way. Be joyful, be patient, and be faithful. Guys, if that is Christian maturity for us, if we never read anything else, be joyful, be patient, be faithful. If, if those are the only three things we could do as followers of Christ, you will go a very, very long way and a very, very far way in being a mature follower of God. Be joyful. Because that is a reflection on a good and kind God. Be patient. Because that is a reflection on my love and my desire and my trust in Him. And then it says, be faithful. Continue, continue, continue. Next scripture for you. Be joyful always and pray continually. I love it. Always. It doesn't say be joyful in this situation or that situation. Choose gratitude and joy will well up within you. Be joyful always. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Go back to the first scripture, please. I love this. We stand and go, God, what is your will for my life? Is your will for me to study, for me to get a job? Is your will for me to get married? Is your, what is your will for my life? Well, it says here, be joyful always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. So it's actually not so much about, should I buy this house? Should I do this? Should I do that? No, no. Be joyful always, pray continually, and be thankful in all circumstances. That's his will for your life. He's not nearly as interested in the other areas as you think. Just be joyful, be thankful, and pray. And we're done. Is that cool? Next scripture, please. And this is what we prayed earlier, and I want to encourage us quickly in this space. What is the time? That clock's very fast. It's at least 20 minutes fast. You guys keep, just press pause quick. But also, we do start about 20 past. So I'm, I've still got a few minutes to go, but we won't be much longer. We prayed about, <laughs> what are you saying? Going to eternity, Hey. We're living in eternity there. <laughs> I will be short in eternity. But you know, earlier when we were praying and worshiping, and I actually, I actually quoted the scripture, we don't know what to pray, we don't know what, uh, what to say, and how many of us sometimes don't know what to pray and what to say? Put your hand up. So true. And it says the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. So what happens is the Holy Spirit inside of you just begins to groan and utter and say these things on your behalf. And it's the most powerful prayer you can have. You know why? You're out of the way. 
It's not Aaron going, God, I want this, I want that. Oh, help me with this, help me with that. It's the Holy Spirit going, oh, Jesus. And he groans in an uninhibited, unhindered way. He speaks through you and prays God's heart and God's will and God's mind through you. So we must give ourselves to becoming a groaning people. Not a people eloquent in words and always having the right things to say. Just let that groan and that moan and that unction of the Spirit pour out of you. And allow the Holy Spirit to pray in you and through you. We've got a few more scriptures and then we're done. I love this. This is God saying, before you even call, I will answer. While you are still speaking, I will hear. And I want to encourage all of you guys. He says, before you even call, I will answer. It's like Psalm 139 where he says, before one of your days was lived, I knew all of them. I know every thought and every feeling. God is saying, before you, the word leaves your mouth, I will answer and I will hear it. And I think when we pray, I want us to pray not as people coming to the bottom of the table asking for scraps, but people coming and sitting next to their dad at the head of the table going, Dad, whatever I need, you have. Whatever I need, you have. And I want a confidence and a faith to rise up in our prayers. This isn't me speaking. This is a simple word of God. I'm not even trying to convince you of it. This is a simple word of God. Before you call, Jesus, where he's there. Before you even start speaking, he hears. Before you ask, he answers. It's the most beautiful thing. Next scripture, please. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And I love this picture of David saying, in my distress, in my hurt, in my pain, I cried out. And he heard me. And my, my cry came before him. And we see this heart of God responding. It says that God cannot resist a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart is so often what we have is when things haven't worked out, when we're disappointed, when we hurt, and we come to God with not even faith, but just desperation. I can't do this anymore. I'm so broken. I'm so lost. Where are you? It says when you come to God, broken and contrite, conflicted, hurt, and even doubting, unsure, he can't oppose or resist you in that place. He sees your weakness and his strength rushes in like a mighty river. So don't hold back and think, I don't feel like praying. When you don't feel like praying is the best time to pray because that's when God hears your, prayer, your prayers more than ever. So next scripture, please. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. This is the last scripture. And I want to read a... No, no, that's just now Danny's saying things. This is the last one now. It says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. He's inclined his ear to me. Think about this quickly. Give me your attention for a moment. The God of eternity, the God of all the universe, seated on his throne, if you read the book of Revelation, you see what is happening in the heavens. Beyond, John and Paul both write, they can't even describe with words what they saw. He's seated on the throne with angels, hosts of angels around him. Eternity is glaring and blazing out of him. He's brighter than any eye can, can look at and see and survive. And he's glowing and his voice is the sound of waters. And he speaks creation into existence. And all of creation is crying out, holy, holy, holy. And he sits there on the throne. And as you go, Father, he leans over. And all of that stops and becomes this a distant noise, and he leans over, and he inclines his ear to you. He, he, he moves away from all of his own glory and busyness, and he, he leans over and hears your prayer. In the midst of all of that, the kingdom of heaven and every creation and every one, God stops and says, my child is speaking to me. And he leans over. And a tr another translation of the same scripture says, I am passionately in love with God. 
because he listens to me. He hears my prayers and answers them. As long as I live, I'll keep praying to him. For he stoops down to listen to my heart's cry. The king of heaven stoops down, bends over to listen to the whisper of his child. Sometimes my child will come up to me and they'll hold on my leg and I can see that maybe they're upset or they're sad or something. And they'll come stand here and I will bend over and go, what's wrong? What's going on? How can I help you? And sometimes he wants to tell me a cool story or sometimes he's scared or sometimes he's hurt. And that's a picture of the father is as we come to him and go, dad, I need you. He stops everything. And he bends down and says, This isn't me saying this. This is the word of God. That God himself is saying, I will stop everything to be with you. I will stop everything to answer your prayers, to hear your voice, and to give you the fullness that you ask. Prayer is one of the greatest gifts that God can give us. And we don't pray enough as people. And more importantly, we don't pray enough collectively as a group of people. We saw in Acts in the first scripture, it says that they were all of one heart and one mind and one accord praying. And I'd love for us to begin exercising the muscle of prayer in this congregation. Where maybe some Sundays it isn't worship. Maybe we're all just going to stand in pockets all around this building, all around this school. Four, five, six, and we're just praying and seeking God's heart. And then we all come back and say, I feel God said that. And we report back on what we're sensing and we begin to find God's heart. But prayer is something that mustn't become awkward or abnormal. It must be a part of our living, breathing, existing in our relationship with God. And I want you to think of it this way. Prayer is me communion with God. Having communion with Him. And we're going to have communion after this, but prayer is when I have communion with God. And communion fundamentally at its very core, at its most simplistic sense, is coming into union. When Adam and I sit and chat and we spend long enough time together, I know his heart. He knows my heart and we draw more and more closer to one. And it's a picture of when we come to God and we speak and I hear and he hears and I listen and, and I'm speaking. He's speaking slowly but surely. We become closer and closer. And as we continue to stay in that place of communion, we come into one. And his heart is my heart and his mind is my mind. His ways are my ways, and I become more and more like Jesus. I want to ask all of our leaders, could you stand for a moment? If you're on the leadership group, just stand. Stand for the leadership group. I want to ask you guys if you could just go fetch some communion for us, please, and serve every member in the congregation.
if I can ask the leaders, uh, couples in the leadership group, if you can share the communion, that'd be great. Um, I don't think we have enough cups or something like that. If you're still waiting, can you just show of hands so they know who to direct towards? Anybody needing bread still? Show of hands. Okay, there are a couple over there. They're all over the place. Hands up. Oh, doesn't like to say that. Okay, keep your hands up if you still need something. AV desk needs something, Nadine needs something. Everybody got still hands? Anyone? Everybody good? Just waiting for the team to settle. Everybody good? Is it that car? So during, during worship, I had a very specific sense about how Jesus wants to meet with you. And I say you as opposed to us, because very often we think in the, the safety of the crowd, but communion is actually a very personal thing. It's, it's, Jesus said, you know, he gave his body for each one of you. And I just had the sense this morning of there were people here, and it came through in the prophetic words as well, but there were people here this morning saying, but surely not me. I even had the sense of one person feeling there was this invitation, come and stand under the waterfall. And I felt like one person saying, but if I'm so messed up, if I come and stand under the waterfall, I'm going to mess up the river for everybody else. And there's that sense of, no, you won't, because... Jesus is much bigger than anything that we have done or can do, for good or for bad. And I had the sense this morning of Jesus stepping off the throne and coming to stand in front of each one of you. And not to say, hey, do this thing because it's what Christians do. But I had the sense of God coming to you saying, Aaron, will you accept me? Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> but coming to each one of us and saying, will you accept me? Because I've accepted you. But will you accept me? And that's what breaking bread actually is. It's, it's not just a reminder of something that happened many years before any of us were born. It's, it's a reminder that today, Jesus is putting out his hand to each one of us saying, I'm for you. Will you come with me? Will you come and interact with me? Will you come and eat of my body? Will you come and drink of my blood as a reminder that you are mine and I am yours? And an acceptance. And so that's what we're going to do now. So we got scripture here. It's out of Luke 22. And it, Luke and I were debating this yesterday. How, how do you practically follow through with the breaking of bread? Because, you know, somebody's already eaten, and then other people are waiting for somebody to say something. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. If you've, already, if you've already partaken, don't stress, but I'm going to take us step by step through it. And so he, he, this is Jesus sitting with his disciples, and he's already said to the crowds, eat of my body. 
But now in an intimate setting like he's doing this morning, he says to his disciples again, sitting, he says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. And so for those of you that haven't yet partaken of the bread, you can do so now. And as we do that, just to close your eyes, to dial out of everything else that's going on and just in your own heart say, here I am, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you did the ultimate sacrifice. Not just so that I can be a good person, but that I can come into your presence. So I accept your invitation right now to come into your presence. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is Jesus saying it again, he says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And that just always reminds me of, of Psalm 23, you know, where he says, I, I set a feast before you and, my, and your cup overflows. And just that sense that for, for each one of us, that waterfall that we were encountering earlier is that is Jesus' cup that overflows for you. Jesus would do all of this just for you as an individual. So we can drink of the, the juice. And again, just to take a moment. Just take that moment just to realize that here's a crazy thought. You can't get any closer biologically to that juice than you are right now. And there's a sense that that's Jesus. He's around us. He's, he's everywhere. But in this moment, do you understand that as you have accepted Jesus into your life, in this moment, He is in you. He is in your heart. He is in your body. He is, he is a part of you. And I want to just say thank you, Jesus. This morning, thank you for the reminder that your sacrifice wasn't just a duty that your sacrifice was your way of saying, I would do anything to be with you and to have you with me for all eternity. So Father God, I just want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to take, take part in communion. Thank you, Father God, for the privilege of knowing that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me, for us. Thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit, that in this moment, you are here amongst us. And scripture says that Jesus walks amongst the lampstands. Jesus, thank you that you are here amongst us in this holy moment. Not because of anything that we've done, but just because we said yes when you invited us in. Thank you, God, that it is that simple. And I want to pray for each one of us that, that partook, partook of your body today and your blood today, Jesus. Will you come and seal into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits? Will you come right now by your spirit and do the impossible? Will you come and graft us, as the as scripture says, graft us into your root that we can be one with you? Because that was your desire when you met with the disciples. You wanted, you want us to be with you and you to be with us. So we ask right now, will you Come and abide in us and help us, equip us supernaturally, even as we go into our weeks and we get distracted by all the things of this world. Will you keep on drawing us back to you over and over again? That we can, in every moment, abide in you, abide in your vine. And as we do that, can we just continue to be fruitful for your glory? Not that we might look good, but that you might be glorified in this world. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Yeah, maybe you've come to this place this morning and you've just sensed something different here. Maybe it's been in the love and the fellowship that you've encountered with people here. Then I want to say it's not our love. It's the love we belong because we belong to Jesus and because he liv lives in our hearts. Maybe in worship, you've just seen something of a peace in your heart or a, wow, something of his presence in a way that you haven't experienced before, a closeness to him, a drawing. Even this whole morning as we've been speaking about a oneness with Jesus, communing with him. And that speaks not of coming to a meeting, but coming to a person. Having communion with him not only on a Sunday in a meeting or a Wednesday when we go to home group, but anywhere, anytime, Monday to Sunday, whether we're driving in the car, at the workplace, wherever we are, we can have a communion, a closeness with him. But only for those of us who've accepted Jesus as our Lord, who's made him our personal Lord and Savior, who accept, as Ian has shared just now, that he personally, not just in a corporate sense, but personally died for each one of us for forgiveness of our sins. That he personally rose <laughs> for each one of us so that we can have relationship with the Father. Come into right standing with the Father that when we see him, he no longer sees us with sin. Because Jesus has paid for our sin and he sees us holy and righteous in his eyes. And so this morning, if that is you and you've had a taste of this Jesus, and maybe you've tasted it kind of in a sense outwardly, but not inwardly because you haven't yet made him your personal Savior and Lord, then I want to extend an invitation this morning. So maybe just with every eye closed, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed about or embarrassed about. It says that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes to Jesus. When one person says, Jesus, here's my life, my past, my present, my future. Come forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, Lord. Make me yours, Lord. I belong to you. You are my Savior and you're my Lord. So if there's anyone here this morning, I want to ask you, if that is you, and you want to give your heart to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to walk in relationship with you. I don't want to just come to a place on a Sunday where I experience you. But I want to meet with a person who I can com have communion and relationship with every day. Then why don't you just put up your hand quickly. Now, each one of us has had to make that choice at some point. Say, Jesus, this is the day where I say you can have all of me. Be my Savior, be my Lord. Is there anyone in this place this morning? Just going to wait a while. You know, it just takes the first one <laughs> to put up their hand. And we never want to let this opportunity go because ugh, none of us know when our day will come, when we stand before the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one we worship this morning, the one we sang of and sang to this morning. And on that day, the only thing that will matter is whether our names are written in the book of life. Not because we've been good people who've done good things, <laughs> but because we've accepted the only one who's good, <laughs> the only one who's worthy. And so is there anyone this morning who's not sure whether their name is written in the book of life? Then I want to ask you to just put your hand up quickly. Because Jesus wants to come and live in your heart this morning. Wash you, make you new. Thank you for that hand. Another hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Maybe you've drifted <laughs> and you're not sure. Then Jesus is calling you back this morning. Thank you. I see your hand. Jesus is calling you back this morning. He's saying, come back. You don't have to live with one foot in the world and, and one foot almost in the kingdom. You know, either we're all in or we're all out. And this morning, he's saying, there's a wrestle for your heart. I want you to be all in, all in in the kingdom, sure of your salvation, sure that you belong to Jesus. Come home, come home. Thank you. I see that hand at the back. Is there anybody else? I'm going to ask one more time. 
And then I'd love all of us to pray together. Is there anybody else here this morning who wants to give their life to Jesus? Wants to come home to a Savior and a Father? Anybody else? Okay, that's amazing. I want to say well done, guys. <laughs> well done. Jesus, we see what Jesus sees. And he's rejoicing. Actually, can all of us just get up and cheer? Cheer with heaven that people have come home to Jesus today. Yes! Yes! And in this posture, maybe we can just all pray together and say, Jesus, Thank you that you are a savior. Thank you that you died on a cross for my sins, all of it, past, present, and future. Thank you that it's washed away, that it's under the blood. Thank you that I stand before you new. Lord, I give myself to you. I say that you are my Savior, that you are my Lord. Come live in my heart in this day. Pour your Holy Spirit into my heart. Let me know that I'm child of God, that I belong to a Father, that I have a home in heaven, that I have a family here, I am yours. I love you, Jesus. Have all of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, t take a seat for a moment, please. Um, can, I, can I ask, who, who responded there? Just put your hand up. Who, who, who prayed that prayer? I saw the... Perfect. Who else prayed it? Could I ask, maybe Jane, just take a group of ladies and go pray in the corner. Even do it now. Go for it, yeah. Take a group of ladies and go pray somewhere. Who else? Is, or just two or three responses. Anyone? Hey? Yeah, Antiki's got him already. That's cool. So three responses. Okay, that's amazing, guys. Let's clap one more time for them, please. I'm going to ask the guys, I'm going to do a very good stewardship teaching now. <laughs> do not rob God. <laughs> um, I, we're not going to have time for a proper stewardship teaching, but guys, uh, I want us to be faithful with our finances and, and continue to give. Uh, we really, even for the guys that are younger, I really want to encourage you guys, be faithful with your finances and continue to give. There's been a beautiful response in our devotion in the area of finances. Can we continue to do this? I want to ask just the guys who do the boxes, if we could send those Round, banking details. I would do a better job, but Eddie took so long in the worship. Um, <laughs> um, I've got two announcements I want us to do quickly. Jonathan Conrad, do we have that there, Danny? 26th of August, 7 p.m. It's a Saturday night, 7 p.m. at uh, the, the Sunningdale venue. I want to ask that every single one of us Pray into that as a congregation. Invite friends to come along who aren't saved. Jonathan Conrath is a five-fold evangelist. He operates and moves in signs and wonders and miracles. And he is an incredible gift coming into Josh Jen. So I would like not only all of us to be there, because what happens is even if you are saved, even if maybe evangelism isn't what you need, the gift of evangelism can often break open over your life. The gift of faith can break open over your life. So you find yourself sitting in a room where the Holy Spirit is operating in faith, signs and wonders. God might activate something in your own life. And I want that to be something we consider going forward. If there's a gift, get as close as you can, because where there's a gift, there's grace. And that grace might spill over onto you and God might do something in you that ends up impacting your life and carrying something of that forward. Does that make sense? Is that cool? Um, so Saturday, we're all going to be there. This Wednesday, the 16th of August, is going to be a day of prayer and fasting. I'll put all this information on the group. 
We're going to spend a day uh, praying and fasting and uh, trusting God for massive salvations, massive lost coming to Jesus, massive sons and daughters coming home to the Father's house. So we're really going to put all of our faith and trust God for an incredible time in and around Jonathan Conrad. Is that cool? Last announcement. So in the spirit of following the wind, I don't know if we're going to have comms this week or not. We might. I will let, like we, as an eldership team, we'll discuss it. I don't know that we're going to have a combined comm or we will do comms. We want to really just seek what God's heart is for us in this period moving forward. So please, everything will be communicated on the groups. Please keep your eyes on the groups. I don't want to have comms for the sake of having comms. And I don't want to not have comms for the sake of not having comms. I want to do as much as we can in what God is wanting to do. So I'm going to tell you, one of three things are going to happen. We're either going to have comms, or we're not going to have comms, or we're going to have a combined comm. One of those three, I promise you that. Is that cool? Guys, um, I realize we've gone a slight, that, that clock's very fast. I realize we've gone a slight bit over time, but God's doing things, and I don't want to put God in a clock. And if, I'm going to say something, guard your heart quickly. If you want to put God in a clock, maybe this isn't the congregation for you. Now, I'm going to say it again. If you're going to put God, if you want to put God on a clock, and you say, God, I'm out of here at 11 o'clock, whether you like it or not, I don't think this is the congregation for you. Is that cool? You turn the Okay, let's send it back to nine. We go again. <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> we're going again. We want to follow the wind, and sometimes there'll be church and home. Sometimes there'll be short service, long. We don't know. But I don't want to put the creator of time under my time. Is that cool? Cabello, could you come up front, please? Guys, those, this is Cabello. She's been backsliding for a month, but it's good to have her back. No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> this is one of my most favorite people. Could you just close in prayer for us? Put up your screen. amazing to be back with your people, Father God, and I just pray that as we walk into this new week, you would go with us and go before us, Jesus. Bless every person who's here in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Love you guys. See you next week.